Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. It's getting to be a common occurrence these days. Someone gets off of an airplane or walks up to a border or lands on a beach and with desperately tired eyes gazes up at the authorities that bar their passage. Please, they say, I'm asking for asylum in your country. This happened recently in Thailand and was reported on the BBC and the results caught the attention of Liberty Magazine editor Lincoln Steed. I'll let him fill in the blanks. Lincoln, what's going on? Well, I can thank my subscription to a certain uh, radio service and the BBC to this. Yes. I, I like listening to the BBC. And they had this item that is now on the Internet, but I haven't read it in any newspaper here. Big scandal because a Saudi young woman was stopped in Thailand at the Bangkok airport as she got off a plane coming from, I think it was coming from Saudi Arabia, but as she arrived... The uh, Saudi officials met her and took her passport because her intent was to escape Saudi Arabia and also the Middle East, where her family had been living in another country briefly, uh-huh. to escape there, to go to Australia. But she was stuck without a passport. Yeah. And an impasse developed where the, uh, the Thais at one point were ready to put her back on a plane to Saudi Arabia And she said, if I go to Saudi Arabia, I will be killed. She said, I have converted from Islam to Christianity. And she said, the government may kill me because most people don't realize the only sentence for renouncing Islam in Saudi Arabia is a death penalty. But even if the government chose not to execute her, she said, my own family will kill me. They have threatened me. And uh, again, a lot of people aren't quite aware that there's a low level but persistent number of people, even in the United States, conservative Muslims, where they will kill a family member for uh, shaming them or leaving Islam. And this is the very definition of asylum, when your life is is threatened at the country that you left, right? Right. You know, in the U.S., there's, there's a legitimate discussion about a lot of these people, especially coming from Mexico, essentially fleeing poverty. Yeah. And they'll claim asylum. My own wife is from Guatemala. She didn't come as a refugee <laughs> long, long time ago. Yeah. But I know Guatemala, and most people there are not leaving in fear of their life from any particular persecution. Right. And even those that say they're they're fleeing, you know, gang warfare and that, you could just as easily make the statement, you know, you leave L.A. because you live in a bad <laughs> suburb. That's true. That's true. So you know, there's some reason to uh, really investigate you know, the the multiplicity of of asylum claims from certain areas. But Mm -hmm. when you're dealing with Saudi Arabia and someone has changed their religion, there's no ifs and buts about it. Half-life of their life is days, not even weeks. So this is a pretty clear cut. But legally, it got into a mishmash because you can tell the Thais, who later said we're a welcoming country and all the rest. But, you know, she has no passport. So... uh, you know, they don't want her there. She's she's uh, almost like stateless, so they put her back on the plane. She wouldn't go. And then in the end, she holed up in a room, an airport hotel room, locked the door and refused to come out. But uh, from all that I can pick up now, it's been resolved, and she's probably on her way. But it did highlight 
for the fact, as you pointed out, that from some areas and in some situations, this is not a close call. And particularly when religious persecution is applied, it can be very uh, threatening to life and limb. It's not just that someone might shout an insult at you for your religion. Your life's at stake if you have a divergent religious view. How is it possible for a religious organization, a religious body, to consider someone who has left them to be worthy of death? How did that come about? The Quran says. Really? An apostate is to be killed. Wow. You know, there's some wonderful uh, Muslim human beings in this world. It's not a matter of maligning all Muslims. There's some horrible Christians. There's many Christians don't live up to Christianity. I think part of the irony from my reading of the Quran is a person that lives up fully to the Quran is actually quite likely to take this matter into their own hands. They're told to. And, you know, thanks be to God that Muslims in Western countries are by and large good people, law-abiding, and they're not going to threaten or test the laws of the country they live in by by acting on a religious edict like this, which is quite murderous. But you have to face it that in some parts of the world, and Saudi Arabia is prime example, the full power of the state is in line with this religious edict, and it's murderous. And I, you know, I wish the U.S. in its many and necessary connections with Saudi Arabia more publicly challenged their very uh, persecutory uh, uh, attitude toward their own citizens, not just to other countries. And like there's one example recently that was reported in international press, but not great outrage. The chief Shia cleric in Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia is a Sunni Islamic state, but the chief Sunni cleric was brought up on charges which were very indefinite. Basically, it resulted that his crime was being Sunni and a Sunni leader. Mm. His head was cut off only a year or so ago. So uh, religious persecution within Islam in Saudi Arabia is the order of the day. They don't persecute Christians much there. There's not Christians other than transient workers who are often persecuted. There's a huge litany of cases in Saudi Arabia of guest workers from the Philippines who are abused, mistreated, and on occasion murdered with impunity, and a large part of the reason is that they're non-entities because often they're Christian young women who have put themselves in bondage for, for employment. Now, Lincoln, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Not only are you the editor of Liberty Magazine, you're also an ordained minister of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, so I want you to put your pastor hat on here just for a moment. We as Christians are told to go out into the world— and baptize people and convert people and to share God's love and everything. And here is how the Bible tells us to dress. We are to have the helmet on, we are to have the breastplate on, and we are to have the sword of the Spirit. That does not come across to me as some kind of loving person going out there and sharing God's love with people. That is war, and we are warriors. So why should we feel so good about ourselves when we're described that way? With symbolism. Why? Maybe you need to ask Paul. He was a feisty guy <laughs> and had to deal with some of the soldiers. Okay. Uh, even as you said it, these are symbols. Yes. Jesus said when his followers drew swords, and admittedly in a moment of 
reflection. He said, do you have swords? And they said, yeah, we have them. Good, that's enough, he said. Yeah. But later when they uh, acted violently to those that were trying to arrest him, he said, put up your swords. He says, everybody that takes a sword dies by the sword. And then to uh, Pilate, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my followers would fight for me. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. It's a spiritual kingdom. But yes, there's no question, and, and history is replete with r- religion run amok. Yeah. Many Christians in the name of Christianity have, have committed abusive and violent acts. Exactly. But I, I think these are misreadings and misapplications, certainly of Christianity, of Christ's message. And Islam has every right to exist. And as I said before, you know, some of my best friends, you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm making fun of that idea. It's, it always goes down badly. Yes, some yes. of my best friends are Muslim. Yeah, right. But I... I you know, I've had many dealings with, with Muslims and Islam and, and had some of them on my television program. Great discussions. I've read the Quran yeah. several times. Yeah. I think there's a, a worrying distinction that I see in the Quran in this regard on killing the apostate. That's specifically required of Islam. And it's repeated by imams and mullahs around the world in many countries where they think they can get away with it. And, you know, I don't have a direct problem with the religion that holds, I mean, personally, if I was applying, (laughs) and I'm not, (laughs) uh, you know, religious tolerance around the world, I would allow Islam, any religion, they can believe whatever they want, as far as I'm concerned. You can't restrict conscience or the right to believe. But clearly, in a country that has civil laws, legitimate civil laws against murder and harming other people, if in the name of religion someone tries that, they get punished. It's not a religious punishment. Yeah. It's they have to abide by civil laws. So I, I don't see Islam in the West as any inherent threat. It can be uh, practiced responsibly like any other religion. But if somebody takes it to the limit and puts their faith up against general civil laws for the protection of all people, I, you know, I think we should be troubled by that. And there's, there's clearly penalties. So that's the only aspect of Islam. But in Generally, you know, you can sort of ignore that. But I think when you're looking at a country like Saudi Arabia, it's part of the explanation. They're a kingdom that owes its continued existence to an alliance with an extremist form of of Islam. And the state almost dares not back off because their legitimacy would disappear. But as a result, civil power is enforcing the most literal and extreme version of their faith. And the modern world needs to cry foul on this, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, as I was listening to you talk there and, and thinking about the question I ask about the way we are supposed to be dressed according to the Bible when we go out and, and preach the word, I've come to the conclusion that, that that army idea, that helmet, that breastplate, that sword, is not as we fight evil people, it's as we fight evil as we fight Satan, we have the sword of truth. We have a helmet protecting our minds. We have a breastplate protecting our hearts. We can stand up against evil because we are dressed like that. Am I on the right track? Yeah, evil practice. Jesus evil, yeah, repeated yeah. The, the old uh, dictate that says, love the Lord your God with all your yes, heart and yes. your neighbor as yourself. Yes. That clearly will make your interrelationships of a positive nature. But mm. people act on bad ideas, religious and civil. You know, it's not just religion. We need to oppose actions like that. You can't say, oh, well, they mean well, they're fine. You know, right. That action could right. be very dangerous. Yeah. But uh, uh, there's no particular reason why I should think I am a better human being or a higher level human being than a non-Christian or a non-Anglo, for that matter. Yeah. You know, racism and, and religious prejudice, I think, derives from some of the same bad parts of human nature. 
And God depends on us to be his representative in these matters here on earth, right? Absolutely. Mm. Now, we should be spreading love and compassion and consideration, but as God himself says, he's full of mercy and justice, but by no means forgiving the guilty or clearing the guilty. Mm. You know, we will all be asylum seekers someday, Lincoln. We will all stand at a gate by a wall, and we are going to look up into the eyes of God, and we're going to say, we need protection because where we were is killing us. Am I right? Right. And before the judge of the universe, we'll all be pretty small. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion here on asylum seeking. And like I say, we are all that. And this world needs to recognize the fact that we all have the freedoms and we all have should have the freedom to love God and obey God and worship God or not as we decide in our own hearts. Listener, our web address is libertymagazine.org. Check it out. You can read Lincoln's blogs. There are some videos to look at. The radio programs are all available there. Lots of good things for you to share at libertymagazine.org. Leave a comment or two. We'd like to hear from you there. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>